0: You're listening to Leadership Game Changers, conversations with heart and humor. How many of you have had teachers who have truly changed the way you think about a subject or how you think about life? I know I can count mine on one hand. My guest today is one of those teachers. Her name is Samantha Chesler. And in this interview, we're going to be talking about coaching in education and what it means to use a coach approach with students, what it means to bring coaching into an entire school culture. You're going to get lots of practical tips on how to apply the coach approach in the classroom, but also there are a lot of universal things that we share that can be applied at home between parent and child or colleagues at work. Samantha studied law and art history. She's a certified coach, and she's worked in education for years as head of department, teacher, mentor in many international schools. She's trained in emotion coaching and in positive intelligence. She's also an artist. She's an amazing photographer and an award-winning blogger. One of the things that I love about her is her drive, her beautiful commitment to students, to having students feel like human beings and not human doings. She's incredibly inspiring. Let's go meet Samantha. All right, so I love to start with the question, what do you want listeners to know about you?
1: Oh, I love that first question. And it actually takes me to quite a deep place in myself, Michelle, because it takes me to my life purpose. And actually I have a t-shirt with my life purpose written on it such as it's important to me and it is speak truth with love and um, what I notice about myself is that every time I communicate my truth from a place of love I feel so in alignment with myself and it only has a positive ripple effect on my interactions and on people around me so I guess I want listeners to for them to know that about me <laughs> yeah Yeah, so we talked
0: about having kind of the main topic today be around authenticity. Yeah, It's very connected with what you just shared. Can you you tell me more about what it means to you to be authentic in life?
1: Mm. What I want to firstly share on that is a moment or a period of time when I wasn't authentic. Um, I was working in a place where I felt like I had to kind of keep under the radar, behave a certain way, Um, And I gradually began to withdraw and I wasn't showing up as me. um, And I thought that was what I had to do. So I was living as a kind of reduced version of myself, at least in my working day. And, you know, that had such a huge impact on me because when you spend a working day feeling like that, you go home and you're also bringing it home, you know? And so my internal happiness levels were, you know, weren't as they should be and, I think the the overriding feeling was that I felt very unexpressed and then I had a big kind of universal kick up the bum which really forced me into being in my full authenticity it was like the polar opposite of what I'd experienced there and the difference was just so huge and um so now for me, I mean, I'm just hell bent on being authentic because I realized that in the time that I wasn't, what I gave up there was way too much. <laughs> and I never intend to do that again. And um, you know, I'm aware that being authentic takes many shapes and forms and yeah. And, and it's a risk in some ways because when you are who you are, not everybody's always gonna like it or appreciate it, but at least it's real. <laughs> And um, yeah, I want to be known for my realness and um, the many colors and shades and expressions that that involves.
0: Mm, that's beautiful. I imagine people who are listening are even envious because it's not easy to be real out there in the world. Can you, can you tell me more about that? Because it sounds like it was really a, it, it was almost like an overnight thing or something major happened. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, about yeah. transitioning
1: into authenticity? yeah so basically it was a moment where um actually you know what Michelle I can't answer that question sorry you're gonna have to cut this bit because it's my redundancy and I'm not allowed to talk about it oh okay okay yeah sorry yeah, right, are you yeah. are you okay with cutting of course yeah yeah, yeah. I, have, I have a
0: good editor all yeah. right so so let's go to um because I just know that it's like it's uh, you're, you're leading by example. You know People who listen to this will be very inspired because I think that everyone leaves a part of themselves at home when they go out into the world or when they go to work and it's very challenging. Um, so maybe the question is what keeps it alive when it gets difficult to, to be authentic? What has you bounced back when people don't accept you or you feel rejected
1: because you're being authentic? Mm, I love that question. And I feel like, I don't know, I just have this real inner commitment to it now. So I'm prepared to take the fact that sometimes it can feel really uncomfortable and, you know, that there are going to be a variety of different responses and reactions to it. And yet, you know, I believe that we're put on this earth to fulfil our souls and to actually fully radiate our essence. And that if we're not doing that, we're actually wasting our time in many ways. So I guess it's the the deep knowingness in me that um, my essence is why I'm here. And so the more I allow that, the more I uncover it, the more I radiate it. Um, the more I'm being true to my reason for being on this earth. And, you know, there's no bigger commitment than that out there for me. Um, So it's something that I'm just not prepared to compromise on, Um, even though, you know, I still have to check in with myself about it because, of course, authenticity is a big word. (laughs) And sometimes we can get stuck in this kind of typecast authenticity. You know, people know me as being playful, creative, spontaneous, And maybe today I'm feeling completely differently and that's authentic to me. So it's this this process of actually staying with myself, um, being connected to my body, to my voice, to my feelings, to my needs. And from there, actually uh, deciding how I want to express. And um, so I'm noticing even as I speak to that, that, um, yeah, there is a lot of... um, staying with myself, and noticing, observing, and giving myself space to um, articulate from that place of truth. Um, Yeah, super important for me.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it's a very clear definition. It's like, whatever's true for you right here, right now. So that takes me to what is true for you right here, right now, in this moment. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa.
1: that question just got right in my heart because there is a lot present for me today. Um, I'm a real kind of mix this morning. Today would have been my dad's uh, 74th birthday. And my dad was my hero, no doubt. I'll tell you some more about him later on in the podcast. So there are feelings of missing and grief and gratitude and deep love yeah, quite intense feelings there of that. Um, I'm also feeling a bit hot, you know, summery here and and, uh, starting to to get hot. Um, I'm about to have an important meeting today, um, which is bringing up some questions and, (laughs) and curiosities in me. And so I'm present to that. And I'm really loving being here with you in this space. And I'm very grateful to have this conversation because you're somebody that I trust a lot. And I really appreciate interacting with you. So there's also gratitude for that with me right now and a whole lot of other things. But I mean, I could talk for an hour on that. So (laughs) we'll stop there.
0: Yeah, I loved hearing about your dad. You know, there were some of like four words there, you know, missing. Um, some some sadness but gratitude and you mentioned he was your hero. Can you tell me a little bit more about him? And I know you've brought some poetry with you that I would love to hear and I know listeners would love to hear.
1: I love that invitation (laughs) and I never say no to a little poetry recital. You know that. So actually I would love to, to just start by answering your question by reading a poem and this is a poem called Electric Guitar. You had a love of learning. I guess it kept you young. A thirst that kept on burning. A passion you passed on. No cynicism in you. No tired, tested looks. When you were ill and thin, you still opened that new book. It was a lifelong mission upon your bucket list. When you were in remission, no way this chance you'd miss. You sounded animated, a kid (laughs) with a new toy. Not fair, your time was fated, but you played on with joy. When I returned that morning, the shock was hard to take. I wish I'd had some warning. You looked like you might break. The skeleton so hollow, I broke before your eyes. But you still strummed and followed those happy notes with pride. It hurt to see your suffering. You made me sing along. Could hardly stop from blubbering. But your thin hands played on. A shiny red electric, her sixties sounding twang. To hell with all the skeptics. You strummed away, I sang. In me, you have awoken, the will to see things through. Your body, it was broken, but how your spirit flew. Yeah, my dad... Um, just before he passed away decided he would learn to play the electric guitar and um I hadn't seen him for for a while so I didn't know what state he was actually in when I arrived back and as you can hear from the poem he was in a very frail fragile physical state and I will never forget him showing me how important it is to keep on know to keep on learning to keep on pursuing joy and opening yourself to experience and um yeah that moment just locked in my heart this immense reverence for life and just so inspiringly shown through my dad's present and presence and huge heart so yeah that's
0: so beautiful i mean i'm deeply moved in a little bit uh Without words, right now, I, I think you know what's present for me is what, how lucky you are and were to have a father like that, mm-hmm. and how I do see because I know you how he lives on in you, all of the things that you have that are des- described in that poem. Okay. Yeah. Definitely, his. What is it? His, your your father's daughter. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I I like to think that um, his message lives on through me, and um, I think it was his humility above all that was so moving to me. He was such an altruistic being, and um, he would light up a room, you know, and he wasn't loud at all, and he was a man that would be, he was very in touch with his feelings, you know, very uh, comfortable in the realm of expressing himself emotionally, And um, it's a wonderful gift to have a father, a male figure that is so emotionally literate and um, at ease to communicate in that way. So I, yeah, I'm just, again, (laughs) the word grateful is coming up a lot today, but I really am eternally grateful for what um, he showed me and modeled to me. Um, and, And it was consistently so, you know, I think sometimes we can glorify retrospectively Um, and yet in the case of my father that's how he lived his life that's how he was Um, and of course you know in any family there's ups and downs and you know not everything was perfect but I had a really one-off gem of a father
0: absolutely yeah absolutely Um, yeah it's like there's a there's a part of me kind of self-managing my impulse to say you know my father was like the exact opposite and I'm listening to you thinking what a gift what a gift um, so he was incredibly creative, learning to play the guitar, you know, yeah. was already unwell. Tell me about your creativity and because yeah. it sounds like that's something else that got passed on.
1: Yeah, thank you. So firstly, when I was a kid, I was very creative and imaginative and dreamy. <laughs> and I remember, you know, with all my friends and stuff, we'd make up songs and I'd make them rhyme and do little dances. And in fact, I did ballet and modern dancing for most of my childhood up until the age of maybe 17. And I wasn't the prettiest dancer Um, and I actually prefer free expression (laughs) but there was a lot of creativity in me um and yeah I remember being at school I would always love the kind of challenges and activities where I had to make something up so it was very kind of inherent in my spirit and in the way I am and um and then you know what um going into work and everything I think it got a bit smoothed out of me Mm -hmm. um it was like yes I brought it into some of the things that I did and and yet gradually over the years It felt like it got a little bit buried away um, and it felt like something was missing. So um, again, going back to my dad, um, when I returned from his funeral and it was winter, it was cold, and I was just walking to work thinking, how the hell am I gonna get through this day with all of these overwhelming feelings going on of grief and anxiety and confusion and, and deep sadness? And um, yeah, I just had in the depth of despair, quite honestly, this message, I received a message, call it intuition, call it (laughs) who knows, you know, something from the universe, but it was write it down. And so um, I remember vividly taking my phone out. My fingers were like numb and I sort of began typing words into my phone probably tears running down my face, (laughs) mascara everywhere. And um, as I did that, what I noticed was that it was becoming poems. And not only that, but it was kind of rhyming. So something in me got, I'm going to say triggered in a positive sense of the word, it was like a light bulb went on, that this was going to be a kind of self therapy, if you like, you know, way for me to express the intense emotions that are very part of me and especially so in in grief as you can imagine and yeah it became this very kind of cathartic outpouring um and i can tell you lots about the story but that's where it started um and it was firstly quite a personal thing that i would just use for me but over time you know i shared a bit with friends and they were like hey really would love to see some more of this. And when I did my coaching training and I was in the fulfillment weekend, there was a saboteur task. And, you know, I, I made up a poem very quickly for this task and everyone gave me this, you know, standing ovation. Of course it was coaches and they were all being kind of nice. And, but still um, something made me realize, oh yeah, perhaps this is something that can serve. Perhaps me actually channeling my creativity and then going that next step of sharing it Um, might actually be of service to others and that has resulted then over the years in me having a blog which yeah I've had since 2017 I think Um, I post on it every weekday I write on a daily basis and I have done ever since um, that day after dad's funeral Um, and I do live recitals and so yeah I mean I have many other creative outlets which I can also share but poetry is the one that's the faithful friend that has just grown and grown and that has offered me stability, expression, freedom, healing um, and so much more.
0: Hmm. Yeah I've had the pleasure of listening to many of your poems (laughs) and um, you're incredibly eloquent. It it seems that you have, it's easy for you to find just that right word that captures what it is, whether it's an emotion or the description of something subtle. Um, I love that.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I, and you yeah. know what, what um, through the poetry, I mean, I try, I'm not trying to write academic poetry or intelligent poetry, I can write that stuff. And sometimes I play around with it. But poetry for me is a vehicle of um, allowing my inner voice out. So um, I'm not really bothered about how intelligent or clever they sound. What I'm bothered about is, am I authentically allowing an emotion to come through or a a state of being a a sense to come through? And when I'm honoring that, it feels like a delightful process. So that's where I'm coming from. And, you know, over the years, people are saying, but you should write a book, you should get published. And I'm actually now doing that. Um, But it's taken me years and maybe and primarily because I've never been focused on getting accolades for it. Um, yeah. What for me, it's like a, it's almost like a transmission. What I care about is, I feel it, I write it, and now I share it and I articulate it, and it has some sort of impact. For me, that's the process. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: great. It's like first it's for me, and then it's for others.
1: Yeah, and you know, if they want, <laughs> it's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So tell me a little bit more about the book. Yeah, so I am currently writing a book, and it's called The Wild Feminine Spirit. And it's a collection of poetry that expresses passion and freedom and so much more. (laughs) I'm really excited even actually beginning to share this. And the delicious part of this is that I haven't done any of this kind of internal deadline stuff. You know, I haven't said to people, it's coming out by this date. (laughs) I'm just really enjoying creating it, putting it together and um, the process of it again, you know, sitting here and going through my poetry i have thousands and and feeling into what feels right for this particular first book and you know writing the little intro and um, that whole kind of selection process um yeah i'm having a lot of joy in that and i know and trust that when the right time comes i will you know publish that book and it could be soon and I don't know when and i really don't care so yeah i'm having a lovely experience of like free flow creation and um yeah allowing things to happen in their own timing
0: yeah this is really beautiful because i think that uh, learning to trust ourselves right and really honor our voice above anything externally um is i think where a lot of people would like to get to and can yeah. you tell me more about how you've learned to trust yourself so deeply?
1: Oh, yeah. Actually, through trauma, um, I've had some really traumatic experiences which have um, forced me into knowing myself on a deep level. Sometimes that's been really uncomfortable and painful and messy. Um, And yet... I always resurface, I always grow, I always come through stronger. So I think that's it. When you ask me that question, I realise that it's been about getting really messy and watching myself continuously bounce back from the mess into a more resilient, stronger place in myself. And I feel like that's a repeat theme in my life in fact, I'm going to say most people's lives <laughs> because I do believe that maybe not everybody shows it in that same way. But I believe we're, we're constantly having a mess and then, you know, emerging from it a bit like the phoenix. Um, yeah. And in my case, because I am quite a dramatic person, I guess, and, you know, sensitive, emotional character that shows, <laughs> you know, and I've learned that that's OK, that it shows and that sometimes when that shows, that gives other people permission to allow their mess to come through and be with it and actually then shape it into something that um, becomes actually some kind of um, tool in their lives and, and growth point.
0: Yeah, speaking of, of tools and growth points, yeah. What what is your what are your rituals and your routines? that keep you growing and true to this way of being
1: in life it's funny because um you know I'm a, a crazy creative and yet um my I'm very routined and people don't always expect that of me at all so for example maybe I can tell you a little bit about my morning because it really sets me up for the day so on an average morning I get up at six and then I write and post my blog and then, most of the time, I go out for a jog, so around about half past six or something like that. And um, I'm not very sporty, but I'm very, very active. So I'm—it's my means of getting the energy circulating, and I can even—I feel my see my hands, you know, <laughs> moving around. It's like it's getting in the flow. Quite a lot of creative ideas are coming um, whilst I'm running. And then usually I sit on a bench. My little cat Ziggy comes to join me, gives me a little cuddle, a little nuzzle. And, um, and then I write my poem. And nine times out of 10, it just comes an idea or a theme. Occasionally it's a bit later if I'm not in the zone. Um, yeah, and, and I usually have some kind of meditation, practice a short thing in. But so really, to cut a long story short, by eight o'clock, I've done quite a lot of things in solitude. So when I start my working day and when I go into my work with my clients or my leadership work, I've already grounded in me, listened to myself, moved my body and been in um, communication with nature outside. And so I feel like I kind of like super boost myself to start the day. Oh, my goodness. That, that's amazing. I was just thinking that you're starting your
0: day after all of those routines or things that Form part of will get you started, and I'm just getting up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have my Pilates class at eight o'clock, and I, my alarm clock literally goes off ten minutes before that, and I'm <laughs> there. You know, putting oh. my shoes on on the way. That that's so uh, admirable. I think that's quite early. You said you you start. At, did you say at
1: five thirty? Six, six o'clock. Six o'clock. I mean, sometimes I I wake up around five thirty, but I'm kind of that routine begins around six. Yeah, but you know, I'm envious of you and your Pilates because I know you were inspiring me to do some of that for my back. And I'm afraid I've gone a little bit off the bandwagon with that. So as you speak to that, it's making me think, hmm, yeah. got to get going with that again.
0: I'm loving Pilates. Yeah, yeah, it's a new, newfound
1: passion for me. And what about the evening? What, what's the ritual for the evening? Yeah, again, so, um, so I like to have a really quiet evening. So it's going to sound really boring to me. I love it. But um, I mean, these days it's a little bit later because I usually go to the pool after my working day just to fill the water on my body and stuff. But um, my evenings are quiet. I'm writing, I'm journaling. Um, I like to get ready for bed quite early or put on comfortable clothing. Um, Sometimes I watch a little bit of television with my partner. Um, But I'm really winding down from seven, something like that. Mm-hmm. um and I like to go to bed around half nine <laughs> that's that's not ideal time you know because it allows them for the morning routine to be as it is right. I mean you know sometimes I throw it all up in, in the air and, and do it differently but um yeah I mean I do enjoy that routine it's very monastic um, but it really um enables me to stay um grounded yeah. and on purpose um and to maintain my energy as I want it to be so I feel like when I honor that that time between when I finish it and when I start winding down for the evening I have a lot to give yeah you know
0: yeah yeah that's great it's like right being if you're a fountain for for other people you have to make sure that your fountain doesn't dry out
1: (laughs) yeah and actually you know something that I find quite difficult to be with talking about authenticity and stuff is when I am not in that energy, or when I'm having a day where a one off day, where actually, even though I've done those things, you know, my energy is a bit flat, or I'm feeling um, not very expressive or whatever. um, Yeah, I'm still working on and growing into being okay with that. And, you know, holding myself when I'm not so energetic, and I'm not so um, in tune with myself in that way. And that, like everything, is a constant kind of journey of self-love and self-compassion, which I believe, again, we're all on. Yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. You know, I, <clears throat> I have to have some self-compassion right now as, as I was listening to you talk about routines because my father was um, a man of strict routines. So he woke up every morning very early. He went and got the newspaper. He had his coffee, like clockwork. He went to bed every night at 10. As he got a little bit older and had less energy, he started going to bed maybe at half past nine. Um, He read every night before he went to sleep. And it was like, you could set your watch by all these things. And growing up, I found it annoying, upsetting um, because he could get up in the middle of anything and and just leave. It was like, number one was respecting his routine. And, and family and whatever was going on seemed to come second. And it was hard for me. Yeah, and I thought, well, what about, you know, what about what's going on right now? Isn't that more, shouldn't that Trump, you know, going to read uh, the New Yorker in your room? Cause he loved reading the New Yorker, um, yeah. but it didn't, it never did. And, and now he passed away a couple of years ago in 2020. Um, I, I so understand Mm. now those rituals that commitment to himself Mm. and the the reason i say self-compassion is that i feel a bit guilty that for for most of his life i was annoyed by that and now i respect it deeply i admired and i'd like to be more like that and i have become more routine oriented um, as i get older because i see the value of
1: it it does help us be the
0: best version of ourselves
1: yeah Um, yeah yeah And yet there can be some rigidity in it as well. So I hear what you're saying there. And I think um, for many, though, the routine is a way of self-managing. You know, I know I suffered from quite bad anxiety for a lot of my adult life and it still pops up now and again. But I find if I honor this routine, then I'm actually much better at managing that. So I'm wondering there, you know, in the case of your father and, and other people listening, you know, sometimes when we're having quite a um a strict routine um you know maybe it is serving in that way um and yet yes sometimes it can be a little bit rigid you know yeah yeah no hindsight i know that it helped him manage
0: i think he was slightly depressed a lot of his life yeah and i think getting up with the sun having his coffee reading the paper those things um somehow brought a sense of stability and and fulfillment in a life that I think for him in many moments felt gray yeah and and so yes I do
1: understand it it's just as a child it was very different I I get that (laughs) and it also reminds me a little bit of um being on tantra retreat a couple of weeks ago and the theme that was coming up a lot was radical discontinuity So there we were being forced regularly or invited, let's say, not forced, (laughs) um, asked to change seats or work with someone different or do something the other way around. Because there is also a lot of merit in actually not falling into autopilot and um, mixing up how we do things and um, especially with the body, I think. So I, I see like a bit of both is probably what makes for a healthy mix. Um, you know it's what's coming up for me sam is
0: that two, two things one i love that you've touched on tantra because we can <laughs> we can talk a little more about that is, oh yeah that we both feel passionate about and um yeah also like the the well actually i forgot what i was just going to say there were two things um yeah we can edit this part but i sure i, yeah, I was yeah, saying yeah.
1: about radical discontinuity Oh, yes. Yes. Because this is really, this is really cool.
0: And I probably didn't tell you about this before, but I had a podcast guest uh, named Dr. Bateman, Dr. Bernard Bateman, who has uh, spent the last, I don't know, maybe 20 years or 15 years studying synchronicity and coincidences and serendipities. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he's sort of networking, you know, with people all over the world studying this. This is fascinating to me. And he talked about how it's only when we get out of our comfort zone or we do something different um that or he said most synchronicities happen outside the comfort zone when we break with the routine when we do something different and I found that really interesting and surprising
1: yeah yeah I and it intrigues me and it actually makes me think yeah you know I want to stay open to that <laughs> because we want, you know, these synchronicities are actually, again, I think next steps in our growth path and signs for what we're becoming. So we want to be in a place where we are open to that happening, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that makes me also really curious when you share that. Right. Yeah. It, 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 the same impact uh, on, on me when,
0: when he said that I, I thought, I tried to kind of make sense of it in my mind, like, oh, is it because when we go losing your words into autopilot, we, we're we not as alert. It's yeah. like we fall asleep at the wheel. Yeah. when you go out of your comfort zone, you have to be much more alert, pay attention. Yeah. And then you notice these things. And it's like being in dialogue with life yeah. in a more uh, alive way.
1: Totally, yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of trust needed there too. You know, trust that I will respond to whatever's, manifesting whatever's occurring in the moment <laughs> in the best way, you know? And there's, there's an art and a skill to that. And I think that also does come from um, allowing that to happen.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I'm glad you mentioned trust because it really is a combination of trusting deeply myself that I can yeah. step out of my comfort zone um, and be connected to myself and navigate in new territory while also trusting the world and life that it's a safe place. It's a safe playground, right? Yeah. Both of those are needed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That resonates a lot with me right now. Yeah.
0: Cause I see you as a very adventurous player in the playground of life.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm a definitely, uh, what should we say? I, I feel like um, life is an adventure. And I mean, this chapter of my life right now is all around pleasure and the permission to feel pleasure, the permission to experience pleasure, the permission to say that's what I want and be okay with that (laughs) and not judge myself or care about others judgments of that, you know? Um, Because I really do believe that our joy and our pleasure is why we're here. And of course, there's a whole other range of stuff that we experience, but that has the highest vibration. And um, I believe that the universe wants us to, to pursue those states um and yeah I, I'm having real fun right now in my life um flirting with pleasure <laughs> yeah that's fantastic you want to
0: say a little bit more about tantra and you know whatever yeah. you'd like to share here
1: sure so I've been on a tantra journey for the last three years now it started when I had my first tantra massage in Spain actually your neck of the woods and it suddenly kind of woke up in me this feeling of wow this um this form this practice can really help me again to channel the wealth of energy that I have and nourish me and help me to flourish and help me to express like the poetry it felt like I found a brand new way a brand new channel for me and I found myself so much in it and so progressively I have again, honoured that um, the platform that I found in it to um, to continue to nourish me. And um, it's grown me in so many ways. It, it's empowering, it's enlivening, it's exciting, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's fun. And, um, and I'm going to say it's attractive, you know, mm-hmm. because I find that the more I work with my Kundalini energy um, and I'm in it, the more um, opportunities come towards me. And um, it's like, I feel I get seen more, you know, because that is actually what I am in my rawest state is pure life force, you know, that's what Kundalini is, as you know. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I have a longing for every woman, every man (laughs) to really um, know and bathe in and explore um the the power of of the kundalini energy and that's what i find through the tantra i've been on various retreats in in the last year um so kind of building a bit of community around that right now um and i get so much joy from it i think it's that you know it's a it's such a joyful um way of connecting heart body mind spirit um a very pure um and beautiful process yeah
0: yeah, that's great. Maybe we should define for a moment, or maybe not define, but explain a little. bit. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. Oh, we could do it together. I know that we both know. Uh, I, I think that it's, it's important for listeners to know that it is about life force, that it is about experiencing the moment fully present in your body. There's a lot of misunderstanding about what Tantra is, and yeah. unfortunately misuse of the word out there.
1: Sure. All yeah, I mean- Mm, At the worst end of the spectrum, I think many people are thinking it's just, you know, free sexual thrills or something like that, you know, Um, and it's so not that. Um, And whilst, you know, we're connecting to sexual energy through the practice, it's a spiritual practice. It's a very pure and deep and loving and conscious process. Um, And it's so far from that. But unfortunately, like everything, it has its scales. So I think there are there are people out there that are. Giving it a bad name, you know, by by not honoring what it's actually about. Yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: Um, so I hope that listeners uh, get curious about this as we're talking about it, and if they're they're interested, I know that for me, it was. Um, well, I'll tell you a, a kind of quick anecdote. Um, many many years ago, when I split with my the father of my children. Um, the relationship had been very challenging and I felt very shut down, the opposite of connected to my life force. And I was dating a man at the time that I'm incredibly grateful to. Um, and he asked me, this was up near the Alhambra in Granada. I don't know if you've ever been to Granada, but the near the Alhambra, there's a very old cemetery. And he asked me if I'd like to take a walk through the cemetery. And I said very clearly, no, thank you. That's not something I want to do at all. And having, I don't know if you know this about me, having lost a sister in a car accident when, when I was very young, I never liked cemeteries because I always thought, you know, if you want to connect with someone, you do it in your heart. You don't have to go to a place. I never liked them. But I reluctantly said yes. And we walked around in this cemetery. And as I was walking around, we actually split and went separate ways. He went off looking. This was a beautiful cemetery with lots of, you know green big you know plants and trees it was something like a park um and very old tombstones lots of beautiful things to look at and i was so curious as i read tombstones and saw um you know things that, that you don't see in cemeteries anymore that they that they did many years ago um, there was one that was like a, a stone coffin and it had a woman's a sculpted body on the top of it And I felt like time stopped as I imagined who these people were. And at some point it started to get dark and I didn't know where my partner was. And I, and I started calling to him and he said, follow the sound of the fountain. And as I kind of found my way, it was like a little bit of a labyrinth. At some point I saw him standing in front of the fountain and he was a tantra part, tantric partner. We 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 had a, a tantric relationship for like 10 years, but this was at the very beginning of it, Sam. Yeah. And I remember this moment. And as I was walking towards him in front of this fountain, it was a symbolic moment because I realized that he was going to help bring me back mm. to my life force. And I'll never forget it because it was, it was like walking in a cemetery, being connected to having died to a part of myself in the past and walking towards something completely new. And he did, he brought me back to life through Tantra. He brought me back to my body. And at that point, before I I met him, I had really let go of, um, I I didn't even really enjoy sex Mm. at that point. And it was was something, what I discovered with him through Tantra was something I didn't even know was possible. Mm. Um, And of course it was a spiritual practice, and it was a sacred connection, but, but most of all, it was a coming back to and fully in to life.
1: Wow. i got goosebumps you sharing that story and especially what you're saying there around coming back to yourself, you know, it is a returning home. Yes. It's such a, a massive nod <laughs> towards yourself. And it's a huge yes. You know, that's what I hear. And, and we need to say yes to ourselves, to our bodies, to our experiences, you know, and have that affirming take place. And Tantra is just such a profound way of doing that.
0: Yeah, and I get also the gratitude around it because you know what I was aware of all those years with him discovering um, aliveness through the body uh, was that most women do not experience it. And maybe most, most men as well, but I was especially connected to kind of the, the sisterhood and thinking of women mm-hmm. thinking, wow, most women leave, you know, leave this lifetime without ever experiencing fully experiencing what's possible.
1: Yeah, oh, that makes me smile, and I, I feel I actually feel really lucky because I I definitely have a capacity to feel the extent of my pleasure physically, and tantra has given me you know and yet another vehicle to to feel that. Um, and yeah, I I I want the same for everybody. <laughs> like we were saying before, I want for everybody to know how much they can experience and how juicy that is you know joyful and and pure that word keeps coming back because there's something very pure for me it's like a pure white light that ripples through the body and exits in this most yeah playful of ways yeah that's
0: beautiful so so sam i know that we have to sort of slowly bring this to a close and I would love to use this moment to actually speak to your your dream going forward as a leader in the world because you just spoke about you yeah and I know maybe that catches you off guard but I can't help it because you just said I want that for everyone what yeah yeah how does your work in the world connect with what you want
1: for people yeah so I'm as you know we've talked about a lot throughout this podcast I'm all about authenticity Self-expression, rawness, fullness, and bringing all of our colors. And so, in the female leadership programs that I run and co-design, that's really a big part of the focus. You know, it's um, firstly connecting with women leaders that are wanting to have more expression, wanting to come forward as more confident version of themselves. And um, it starts with the getting to know yourself because we can get lost in our roles and the expectations in you know, how we've always been and, and what we feel is expected of us. And so we have to sometimes go through this process of learning once again who we are, learning what we like to wear, <laughs> how we like to speak, what feels good in our bodies, what, um, what, what, what our core values are, what we're really about. And um, as adults, we can lose the sense of that because we have so much duty and and other stuff around our experience. And so through my work, (laughs) it very much is a little bit like you explained with the tantra, really. It's bringing people home to themselves because the more at home in self that we are, the more we're actually going to serve others and inspire them to do the same. So yeah, it's a a getting to know yourself again process. It's a um, enjoying that, exploring it, being playful with it, being creative with it and and getting out of the box, you know? I'm all about inspiring women to get out of the box and show up <laughs> as they are with all of the colors.
0: No, I love that. And there's such conviction because it's the journey that you're on. Yeah. But you, you've you been there, you've gone through it. Um, and that's always very powerful to lead by example first, right? To
1: yeah, I mean, play. I'm... I'm quite known for wearing crazy earrings and and weird colorful clothing (laughs) and I love that you know sometimes when I'm walking through my Swiss village that I live in I see a few looks so it's not always feeling very comfortable you know to to be out there like that and because I'm sensitive and I also have a little bit of a shy side you know at times I'm like really I'm having this like inner dialogue am I really gonna gonna come out and get dressed like that but it feels so right for me that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to really just be with discomfort and still unapologetically claim who I am. And I'm often getting feedback from women that I interact with in, in the programs and, and also clients that um, it frees them up. You know, they feel something gets unlocked in them as a result of our work together. There's a liberation that happens. Um, and that really makes my heart smile.
0: Absolutely. You know, these words, they, they resonate when I think of you, it's, it's, it's what I connect, um, to unapologetic, you know, unlocking, yeah. liberating this, this is you, this is what you're all about. Yeah. Um, so can we get maybe one more poem of course of course am I allowed to swear on your podcast you are allowed to swear on my podcast because I feel because this is a podcast about authenticity I mean (laughs) we talk about tantra and cemeteries and sex I mean come on we can talk about anything
1: brilliant well this one really is just like well you'll get it I think I just read it needs no explanation and it's called fuck it fuck the next day the next week the next year. Fuck all the things that need doing. The sun is a shining. You're real and you're here. Melt in and the moment start wooing. Fuck all the bills and the judgments they make. Fuck all the things you are lacking. You're here for a reason. There are no mistakes. Relax and send troubles a-packing. Fuck all the musts and the oughts and the shoulds. Fuck all the duties and limits. Life is the present, stop knocking on wood. Nestle in to what's pure, not the gimmicks. Fuck all the mess and the pain and, and the tears. Fuck what you've been misconstruing. Let yourself sense all the joy that appears when you fuck all the things that need doing.
0: (laughs) I love it. Oh, I love it. This is an awesome way to end. And and one thing I want to say before we close is that I really love that both of you, I mean, both of us spoke about our, our fathers today.
1: Yeah. It felt really good to honor them. Definitely. It really did. And I'm, I'm really appreciative of this conversation and the spaciousness and the connectedness and everything that you're creating here. So thank you so much for letting me be part of um, all of this.
0: Well, thank you. I, I've loved this conversation. I think that it's full of gems and, and beautiful things for people to listen to. So thank you for being with me and being you, unapologetically you.
1: you know, That's my the title of this. Of this. <laughs> My new favorite word is, and it, you know, it's not my word, right? But the be beautiful." I love that. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I
0: saw that on LinkedIn, I think, from you. And I thought, wow, that's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> wow, I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with Samantha. I want to highlight some of the things that stand out for me. The idea of creating a yet culture from this abundant mindset that whenever somebody comes to you and feels like they're failing, They're not good enough, reminding them that they're not there yet. And not only that, but how can we help them get there? I also love that question what do you know now that you didn't know before? We so often finish something or learn something and move on to the next thing without stopping and taking more notice of who we're becoming and what we're capable of. And the last thing I want to underline is the pause, breathe collect ourselves when we're transitioning from one thing to the next. Again, it's about slowing down, becoming more aware of our needs, staying tuned in to the human being when we're in the middle of human doing. So thank you for being on this journey with us, for tuning in to Leadership Game Changers. Join us in a couple weeks for the Spanish version Please give us feedback. Let us know what you're enjoying. Maybe some ideas of who we can interview. And don't forget to pause, breathe, and collect yourself every once in a while.